There's a lot to say about the deliciousness of steaks, burgers, and kebabs, and the wonders of a summer cookout. But we figure, why go through all the trouble when beef can speak for itself? Just listen. Translation, beef. It's what's for dinner. Funded by beef farmers and ranchers. And welcome to Sunday Coffee. Well, it's kind of off-season right now for football. We had first bowl practice yesterday. Men's basketball losing yesterday on the road out in Fort Worth against Colorado State. They played the neutral site game out there at Dickey's Arena. I'm Bart Gregory along with Charlie Winfield. We're in the Farm Bureau Studios here in Startville, Mississippi. And so, Charlie, hey, we got a lot of things to talk about. We, you start talking about, well, we don't have a football game yesterday, but we do have a lot of different things going on. We got baseball schedule going on. You got bowl season going on. You had basketball yesterday, and I know we don't like to talk about basketball, but I think we should. And so, even though it is that second weekend in December, we got a lot of Mississippi State stuff to talk about. I'm not going to let you start me off in a negative way today, Bart. And you're trying to – you've mentioned basketball four times in the opening minute. I am not letting you do that to me. I'm not taking the bait. I'm going to stay positive for a little while at least. Well, the positive is this, is I'm drinking Strange Brew coffee right now. And I'm drinking Blueberry Cobbler flavored Strange Brew coffee. And here's the thing, Charlie. You know, I have since moved to Nanawoya, which is only a 40-minute drive, and I'm not leaving Mississippi State in any way. I, but we're, you know, we're living in the country style right now and driving back and forth. But the positive is, is they sell Strange Brew coffee at Woody's in Noxipater, which is phenomenal for me. But I did not brew my own strange brew this morning. I let my wife brew my strange brew coffee this morning. And so I got it from Woody's and Noxipater. Of course, you can go online to strangebrewcoffeehouse.com. Great stocking stuffers for the Christmas and the holiday season. And so, yeah, strange brew coffee, three locations, two in Starkville, one in Tupelo. And it just doesn't get any better than what I'm drinking right now. And the new K-Cups, that's a game changer. So if you're like me, you're a Keurig guy, Now you can have your Strange Brew coffee made at home right in the K-Cups. I have not gotten any yet, but I've been seeing people receive them. In fact, one of my good friends out in Dallas, he has ordered some after hearing us talk about them, so I'm I'm kind of fired up to try some of those. Well, let me tell you this. Mike Ritchie, who is without doubt one of our best friends, and he works in the Bulldog Club with us. He is actually over the Bulldog Club. He is director of the Bulldog Club. We walk into the office on Monday this past week, and somebody had brought some K-Cups from Strange Brew. And I went through the office, and I said, hey, did you bring the K-Cups? They were like, no, we didn't. Did you bring the K-Cups? No, we didn't. And then we got the mic, and that was like the biggest surprise in the world. Mike was like, yeah, I got them. And he is no doubt the employee of the week in the Bulldog Club office. Because let me tell you something. I think they come in like a box of 18, and we were out by Thursday. And so now I guess I got to buy the K-Cups this coming week. Hey, did I see, by the way, speaking of Mike Ritchie, was he at the Army-Navy game? One of my all-time bucket list things to do. And if we have anybody out there, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm, I'm not going to pull I'm not gonna pull them out wide asking for food from the left field lounge. But I was going to say, if we have anybody out there with some stroke that can pull us some really good Army-Navy tickets for next year, that's a bucket list thing for me. Oh, yeah, he was there. He, he was there. He and his son were there. And so, you know, his son, Calvin, 
is doing like a internship or doing some kind of deal with his school, and he's at William Patterson for this. Uh, it's, it's not like a study abroad; it's study domestic. And so he's at William Patterson, which is, by the way, is where Eric Mealy went to school. It's in New Jersey, and so I think Mike and uh, Mike and Calvin went, and uh, it was at uh, MetLife Stadium in in New Jersey yesterday. So yeah, I think the, I, I saw the pictures. And I was very, very jealous because that is a bucket list for me. I was really surprised because I was talking to my wife yesterday about what football was on, and I mentioned Army-Navy, and she talked about that being something that she wants to do. I think it's just one of those things everybody ought to do. We could probably have a really long show at some point talking bucket list, but you know, one of the things that's not on mine, by the way, is the Super Bowl. Like, I would rather go to Army-Navy than go to the Super Bowl. Am I crazy? Absolutely not. And everybody I've talked to that's gone to the Super Bowl has been vastly disappointed because it's so commercialized and because the timeouts are so long. And and plus, it's kind of like going, and I hate to say this, to a semifinal game of a Final Four where you've got a lot of people there who really don't care about the outcome. It's more of a corporate event. And so, yeah, I've always heard that the the Super Bowl is uh, is very, very underwhelming. Well, I'm not sure it was on my bucket list, Bart, but we got a Liberty Bowl coming up. So that's the next big thing, at least football-wise for us, other than one thing we don't talk about, and that's recruiting. I just I don't care. No, it's not that I don't care. I think it's that I have spent – there was a time in my life where I woke up every day, and I went to the Internet, and I studied these guys, and I got all excited about a guy that we were going to sign from Ohio who was going to be dominant, and we were going to be great – and then the guy gets here, stays a semester, leaves. You know, I guess I'm uh, – what's the motto in Missouri? Show me. I think, look, let me be very, very clear when I say this. Recruiting matters. Talent absolutely matters. It is not a mistake that Alabama continually leads the recruiting rankings. And everybody will say, well, they were only rated high because they went to Alabama. No, it's Alabama knows what they're doing, and the reason they're beating everybody like they do is because they have a ton of talent. So it matters, but I trust coaches to evaluate those things. I trust history to tell us more than I care to invest my time because here's the other thing. I can't do anything about it anyway. So we'll leave that aside. We got a football game coming up, and at some point we'll have to start thinking about Texas Tech and the money they owe Mike Leach, but I guess we've got another day or two before we have to start digging into Texas Tech too hard. Yeah, and here's the thing about Texas Tech is, you know, they're kind of used to seeing pass-happy offenses because what do we say about the Big 12 is they don't have any defense. And, you know, you start looking at their schedule. We looked at it last week, and they've won some some decent games. They, they beat Iowa State. And, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of back and forth about Iowa State. Have we let coaches around the Big 12 kind of talk us into how good Iowa State is just because they want to say that was a good win when they, when they beat Iowa State? I don't know. You know, we're at an eight-and-a-half-point favorite in that game. And so then you begin to ask yourself the question, you know, what does Vegas – what do the guys in Vegas see that makes us eight-and-a-half points better? And, you know, is it that revenge factor for Mike Leach you, you talked about just a second ago? Because, you know, one of the things about bowl season, and we touched on it last week, is some teams want to show up, some teams don't want to show up and don't – you know, and kind of go through the motions. I've got a feeling – that this may be a good thing that it was Texas Tech because I can guarantee you if there's one team in America that the head ball coach at Mississippi State wants to beat, it's Texas Tech. Yeah, a little bit of history there, a little bit of background. You expect that might play into things. 
I think that's actually a lot of it, Bart, is just the uh, give-a-dang factor. How much do you care? How much do you want to be there? And then, of course, the other thing we've got to peel apart at some point, and I don't know that we've got the information yet or if anybody does, who's going to play? Because we kind of have this team-wide aspect of who wants to be there. Then there's the question of which individuals want to be there. This goes back, you know, some number of years now, the idea of guys not playing because they're going to be drafted. And you can have and listen to heated arguments in living rooms, in uh, sports bars all across the country, message boards about whether a guy should or shouldn't. You go back and you've got the Jalen Smith at Notre Dame who cost himself, you know, being hurt in the bowl game. A lot of people will point to that. Then you've got people who say, well, wait a minute, if you're going to play football for another 12 years, why is it that you're scared of playing one game? I see all sides. I will say this. I think the thing that hurts coaches who like to say, hey, these players need to play, I think the thing that hurts fans when they say these players need to play is the fact we got a lot of coaches walking out on teams right now, right before bowl season. How many of those guys are going to send in and say, I want my bowl bonus, by the way? I want my bonus for taking the team to a bowl, even though I'm not going to coach it. Ultimately, I think right now, some of the question isn't just about which players are going to play around the country. It's which coaches are going to coach. Yeah, that's kind of where we are. And that was my first thought, too, is, you know, and I understand these guys are here and it's all about teammates. But but then, you know, you start talking about external factors and guys that they're listening to, whether it be, you know, future agents or draft prospects or draft, you know, the Mel Kuypers and the Todd McShays of the world, who they're listening to about the draft boards, and you, and you kind of understand it. And like you said, Charlie, it's about coaches too. You know, coaches are leaving early, and you know, some guys are, you know, some guys will say, hey, I'm going to go and take this head job, but I'm still going to coach. I'm still going to be a coordinator in the bowl game with my team. Is is it because you want to stay with your old team, or is it because you want to make sure you get that bowl bonus? Because let me tell you something, bowl bonuses are huge, and a lot of people don't talk about that. And you hit the nail on the head with that. So, you know, that, that's the thing. You can get into some heated heated debates. You know, if you're a first-round guy of should you play in a game that is a uh, that is a bowl game that's very close, that if you do get hurt that you could possibly miss the combine, um, especially if it does not, you know, hey, we we all wanted the expansion, you know, and then we still all want the expansion of the the playoffs and and things of that nature. And if you don't get into the playoffs, what does that mean for these bowl games? And we always talked about, you know, taking away the the meaning of games and things like that here at the end of the year. And so, yeah, this is kind of a byproduct of of what we're seeing in the world today. So let's talk about this football team for a minute. Part. Let's leave aside some of the bigger questions, and let's talk specifically about Mississippi State. When you look at this team compared to last year, or even two, three, four years ago, and you make the statement, or people make the statement, this team is improving. Where do you see the improvement the most in this football team, if you accept my premise that the team is improving? I suppose that should be the first question. Number one, do you accept the premise that this team is getting better, and number two, if so, where do you see it? Well, the answer is yes. And, yes, I think this team is improving. I think this program is improving. Now, that being said, I mean, it, it's it's hard to uh, – we've had some losses in there, and we've had some times in some losses and at times in some wins as well where you don't know if you see improvement or not. And, and so I don't want to be, become the sunshine pumper that – 
well, okay, well, yeah, we just we just got beat in a rivalry game, but old Bart, he's trying to look for every angle in the world to tote the company line. That's not the case. I think overall, I think you see a decided improvement, and I think, of course, you know wh- where you see it is going down the field more. I think, I think, you know, as crazy as it sounds, I think we've blocked it a lot better this year than we did last year, and I think our receivers have gotten open more. And I, I think that's allowed Will Rogers to, to have a higher completion percentage. I think he's had more time to throw with the offensive line, you know, giving him more time to throw. And that's a reason you can go down the field more. And I think our receivers are understanding space and, and being on the same page as a quarterback. So I, I think you see that. Now, I think on the defensive side, you know, we, we've been okay. We've been pretty good. Uh, are we elite on the defensive side? You know, probably not elite but we've been okay and so good enough to win you some games and so yeah I think this I think we've gotten better and so Charlie you asking me that question I can guarantee you you've done your homework and you've probably got some numbers to back something up well I I don't know what you're suggesting but if if you're if you would like me to give some numbers well okay um yeah there's a couple of things I looked at and part of it everybody knows to to some degree i I'm a fan of Will Rogers, and both as a player and as a person. Here's one of the things that jumped out to me. I was listening to some people and kind of make the comment that, well, his completion percentage is driven up by the fact that he gets a lot of throws under 10 yards or behind the line of scrimmage, and that's undoubtedly true. But I went and did this earlier this morning, Bart. I went and took only his throws 10 yards or more down the field. Okay, so I'm taking away the layups from him. If you focused only on those plays, it would still be in the top five or six completion percentages in Mississippi State football history at any level. Meaning if you go back, how many guys at Mississippi State have thrown for 60% or better in a single season? Only six. One of those was Rodgers. And right now, on throws 10 yards down the field or more, he is sitting right at 60%. And so you take away the layups. He's still having a great year. You say, well, Will's getting better. He is. Here was the other thing, and we've debated before, and people have different views on the analytics that you use. It's kind of funny. You know, like all the coaches complain about recruiting rankings, but what's the first thing you see in the media guy when somebody signed? Well, he's ranked number 22 in the state by 24-7 sports. You know, they all embrace it when it helps them. They reject it when it doesn't. Pro football focus is kind of that way. We're going to tout a guy, well, he's the number three corner. And then if somebody isn't good, then the coaches will complain about it. Take it for what it's worth. Last year, we were ranked 97th in pass blocking. This year, we are number four. You used the phrase a second ago, as crazy as it sounds, our pass blocking or our blocking has gotten better. I think one of the things that we kind of lose sight of is proportionality. You know, we'll leave a game and say, man, we got sacked three times. Well, we dropped back 60. And what you don't have is the pitch to the right that loses three yards because somebody got hit behind the line of scrimmage. You're going to have negative plays. You drop that that many times, you're going to have issues at offensive line. But what are you doing in the aggregate? I think overall, look, we're throwing it and catching it, and a lot of that has to do because we got time to do it. Wow, I didn't really realize that. I mean, that's and – and you bring up that point of – you know, we talk so many times about how you can't take 
you know, into account a lot of stats when you start talking about completion percentage from the overall standpoint and the passing yards from the old standpoint because you're eating up so many of those runs for two yards, those runs for three yards that, that most teams have that try to be balanced because we have to think differently now that we have an offense that throws it 95% of the time. But also you have to take into account – those stats, like you just said a moment ago, Charlie, I mean, when you start looking at the percentages and how you're graded, because those guys, so much is talked about with our offensive line. I mean, those guys are on an island every single play. I mean, there's no situation where there's a run to the left side and I'm the right tackle. And you don't want to say, you know, you dog it in the run game at all because there's always something there. But there are certain situations where there is, you know, there is a way that I can halfway take a playoff, and I don't hate to say that word. But in this offense, if you're the right tackle, you're on the stage every single play, 65 times. And let me tell you something. Out of 65 times, and we're talking about some of these – some of the best defensive players, if not the best defensive players in the country – are coming at you 65 times, yeah, I mean, three or four times you're going to get beat. And we think, too, we've talked sometimes about right tackle. And then how many times this year has our right tackle had a guy like Will Anderson or Sam Williams or somebody like that across from him? He was drawing the best every time because he got a first-round draft pick on the other side. And, always, you know, we talk in baseball all the time. When you don't need the ball, it seems to find you. Well, the, the really good defensive ends seem to find that side of the line. There's – just nothing you can do about it. But in the aggregate, in the whole, we did better than I think the perception is that we did. Yeah, and, uh, you know, we start talking about perception. And when you start talking about, you know, reality, hey, let's look at the basketball game yesterday. Hey, by the way, I went back and I checked Dak from 2015 when we threw the football with much more success probably than any Dan season. On throws 10 yards or further down the field, Dak was at 40 nine percent will sitting here at 59 i'm not just just stop i'm not comparing will rogers to dak prescott that's not what i'm doing what i'm saying is dak was an elite college quarterback and you see we are having some success throwing it down the field but before you turn the page to basketball i have kind of a basketball football hybrid that i would like to throw at you bart i'm ready you've heard me complain once or twice maybe, about the targeting rule in college football. Again, I'm all for player safety. I'm not for targeting. But you understand my position that you don't have to take away such a large percentage of a guy's season because he was called for targeting. Let's take Martin Emerson, for example. My complaint with Martin Emerson, you remember he got ejected, was it one of the first plays of the game? We were less than four minutes deep in the football game against Kentucky, and he's thrown out on a controversial call. Did he leave with the head? Did he have his arms out? All those things. It was all over Twitter. So you remember that play? Yes, I do. And I know, and we have not discussed this, but I know exactly where you're about to go with this. Yes, I I agree. What was it, like 9% of his season? It wasn't 10%. It was like 8%, 9% of his season that he essentially lost because of a bad call. Yeah, it all depends on whether he plays that extra game. So this week, the news came out from the Plains that Bruce Pearl, this is the same Bruce Pearl who was hired by Auburn under a show cause order at the time when he was hired, whose 
program has an assistant coach, a former NBA player of some celebrity and local hero, arrested and charged with a crime for his involvement in sharing money with players and funneling them to financial advisors. Bruce Pearl, who the NCAA says didn't ask the right questions, didn't have adequate oversight, didn't follow up when he should have known or, in fact, did know that there were problems. He got a two-game suspension. Now, Auburn this year, let's just say they make the postseason, but they lose the first game every time, okay? They lose the first game. His two-game suspension for all these flagrant activities, despite being a repeat violator, despite Auburn getting four years of probation, despite significant financial fines for the university, it's 6%. So what we're saying to you, Martin Emerson, is that you make a live-action play. You lift weights all summer. You exercise. You do all these things. You go to study halls. All these demands that we put on you as a player. And we're going to cost you. We're going to take away almost 10% of your season from you because of a live-action play. Hey, Bruce, man, sit out the Nebraska game if you don't mind. You know, we've seen things get fixed in college sports to me. This is one that's still got some work to do. It's an absolute joke, Charlie. I mean, that right there, when you put it out there, when you start talking about percentages, and when you start talking about – and one, it goes back to the point, too, of I don't know how much the NCAA really cares. I mean, I don't think they really care. I mean, when you start looking at what they do, when when they start doling down these – it's not even a wrist slap. It's like I'm, I'm – I'm not slapping my child's arm. I'm like just holding his arm. There's no such thing. And and once you're talking about, and I know some of these nerds out there are going to say something about, and I understand I'm the same way with player safety. I agree with that. But man, when you start talking about taking away this high a percentage of a player and then, and then just pretty much allow basketball coaches or other coaches around the country in other sports to get away with things like this. It's uh it's it's mind numbing and it's so frustrating. And we don't follow the FCC laws on the words we can't say on the radio. Uh but I, I mean I, I it's it's hard to even put it into words. Je ne sais quoi. Isn't that the isn't that the term je ne sais quoi? I just don't know what to say. I have no words. The the French influence down in Nanawaya, little known influence People ask all the time, you know, what's the cause of apathy for college basketball right now? And I think sometimes as Mississippi State fans, we look in the stands and we think, well, we're mad because we aren't playing the level we need to. We don't have the postseason wins that we need to. And and we don't. Uh, those things are true. But if you start to look around, I think the whole sport of college basketball right now is infected with an illness. And that is, if to the extent there are rules – They're only sporadically enforced. They're sporadically enforced against limited groups of people. And we still have coaches at some schools who are caught on tape basically putting together great packages. To the outside world, nobody can find what's happening. Nobody can can see that there's any negative consequences taking place. And it's almost like now if you're a college basketball coach, the mindset ought to be, I'm going to go to this school. I shouldn't say ought to be. I'm not implying to act unethically, but we are allowing a mindset of I'm going to go to this school. I'm going to cheat like a dog for six years. 
It'll take them another five to catch me, and then I'm going to go do TV a little while, and then I'll come back and do it some more. Because where is it not working? Who who is who's paying the price right now? All these guys seem to get second chances. We knew Bruce Pearl's history. We knew Calipari's history. He lost to Notre Dame yesterday, by the way. Great win for the Irish. I can't tell that there's any rules, and I think in addition to players leaving early, all these things have contributed to it, making it very easy for someone to say, I don't care. Yeah, and that's the tough thing is, you know, we grew up in, a, in an era where college basketball was, was so big, and you start talking about the transfer portal and everybody transferring. There's a different team every single year. You you know, you rarely have a guy that comes in as a freshman you know, that uh, that you kind of you know, follow and fall in love with, and all of a sudden you spend the entire four years, you know, watching. And and, and we've talked about this too, villains too. I mean, this for the opposing teams too. I mean, when you start looking at a guy that comes in as a freshman that's, that's playing at Tennessee or, or wherever, and you follow him through his entire four years, you just don't have that anymore. Hey, while we're on basketball, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get there, Charlie. Yesterday – we went to uh, to Fort Worth and we lost sixty six to sixty three against Colorado State in a game that we led the entire game, and in a game that we led late. And you know we had what an eight point lead late in that game. Man, you start looking back at this game, and what do we have? We had a fifty six to forty nine lead with six forty six to go. But you start looking in that basketball game, and Colorado State. I mean, they're a good basketball team. They're a really good basketball team. But when you look at how we started that game, we hit nine of our first 20 shots. And after that, we only hit 12 shots the rest of the way. We went 12 for our last 42. But here's the thing when I look at that game, Charlie, is in our first 20 shots, we hit nine of 20, and Colorado State hit nine of 20. In the last 10 shots of the game, we hit one for 10. They were six for 10. In the last 20 shots of the game, we were 4 for 20, and they were 11 for 20. And so that was just kind of a recipe. I thought we played okay defensively for the most part, but at the end of the day, Colorado State got some good looks late in the game, and we just couldn't throw it in the ocean. So what what's the issue? Is, that, is it just an inability to shoot? Is it poor ball movement? Is it a – you know, we talked before about we've got a lot of guys who are young players that haven't played together. What do you see? Because I look at it and I go back and you say, look, Colorado State's a team that scored a lot of points. And as much as you want to look at that run at the end of the game and start to say, well, we're not defending the way we need to, you held that team to 66 points. And for whatever reason, it feels like we just can't get out of the 60s scoring the basketball. Well, and I think one of the things that stands out to me, Charlie, is – when you look at us from an offensive standpoint, and this is where I don't think stats give you a true gauge of where you are as an offense. And I think you, you said a minute ago about ball movement. When, when you look at us, we have the ability when we get out in transition and we're moving quickly to score some points. But for whatever reason, I think this team has just not been very good when you settle up in a half-court offense. And whether it's ball movement, whether it's moving without the basketball – uh, that's just kind of where this team has has hit some some snags here against uh, you know, some pretty good competition here early in the season. And so then all of a sudden you start acting. To me, we talk all the time in football about three and outs, okay, about empty possessions. 
to me, when you look at basketball, one of the things you have to look at is empty possessions throughout a game. And, yeah, you're going to have turnovers. Yeah, you're going to have some bad shots, and things of that nature are going to happen, especially when you play good teams. But you ask yourself the question, okay, each shot that is taken is not an equal shot. Is it an off-balance shot? Is it a quick trigger three with a hand in your face? I mean, if you end up with a wide-open look and you miss that shot, that's not what you call classify a bad shot, even if you miss that shot. But you got to go back and look at so many of these possessions that are ending in empty possessions, whether it be a quick shot with a hand in the face, an off-balance shot, turnovers. There are so many empty possessions, and I don't know what the answer is. I don't know if it's the lack of ball movement or whatever it is, but there are a lot of empty possessions that we have. Now, everybody has empty possessions. Everybody has empty, you know, empty possessions. And they're going to happen, but it just seems like, and I, I don't, I haven't been able to put a number to it. And it may be my maroon color glasses that are just watching this game as a fan, but it just seems like we have more empty possessions than, than we should. I think the thing that causes me a little bit of concern about this team is, and this is fixable, I think, but it goes back to something we've talked about before. Now and then, a basketball team is better when you know who your best player is. Now and then, you are better when you know who the alpha dog in the room is. And maybe there's two of them. Maybe there's a one and a 1A. But let's think back about you know, your great basketball teams. They typically aren't all-star teams all the way through. It's the – and maybe I'm kind of – a victim of the bulls, but you know, you think back, you've got your, you got to have your worker bees. I think of the San Antonio Spurs and I I get it that I'm going back in time here, but you had a guy like a Bruce Bowen. You had a guy that could just defend and that's all he did. And you knew where your scoring was coming from. You knew who your post player was. You knew where your guard play was coming from. You think about the bulls with Jordan and then you had kind of Pippen as the one a right. You think about the Laker teams and I get it. They had talent, all the way through the lineup, but now and then you need a Kurt Rambis, right? Now and then you need the guy, and sometimes you need more than that. I used to joke back in the when we made the run in 96 that we were significantly better when Whit Hughes was on the floor. And the reason I said that is because it was fewer guys trying to score. At some point, you need some guys just to dig in. And I wonder, looking at this team, and I've got no basis for this other than I'm just being an emotional fan right now, but you wonder and you look at the shot distribution right now, How many times do you go down the floor in a basketball game and you think, we really need a bucket here, let's get it to this guy? And I look at the way our shots distribute, and it doesn't always stand out as to who that guy should be because we got a lot of different guys trying to take shots. Man, you hit something right there. You start talking about Russell Walters. You start talking about Brandon Vinson. You start talking about guys that that were on the defensive end of the floor, but you knew – that Daryl Wilson was going to be the guy that took that shot. You know what I'm saying? I mean, those were the things. You knew that Timmy Bowers was going to be the guy who took that shot if Derek Zimmerman couldn't get to the rim like he did at the Tad Pad. I mean, you knew who that guy was. And so, I don't, I don't know if it's if it's Molinar. I mean, I don't know if, if that's the name. But anyway, I mean, they're, we're about to have a stretch right now. And now, here's the thing too, Charlie. We're about to have a tough stretch here in non-conference play before we jump into conference, uh, into conference play. We've got Winthrop coming up, and we've got uh, Georgia State. You and I have that game on Tuesday night, and then you get into conference play. But you look around the league right now, man, the league was awful yesterday. 
Ole Miss got blown out by 25 against Rick Stansbury in Western Kentucky. I mean, you had some awful losses around the league yesterday, and nobody's playing well. I mean, you look at Kentucky; they lost to Notre Dame on the road, and I mean, I know Notre Dame is you know they're they're not elite. I mean, so I mean, you're looking to me. I mean, I just look at the at the league right now. I think there's a lot of NIT level teams right now, unless somebody really picks it up when they get into conference play. You just mentioned Molinar. Let me point this out. I was looking at the numbers while you said this. In the final 10 minutes of the game, we took 20 shots. The guy that I think was probably your best player, Molinar, took five of those. He took five of your last 20, and in the final couple of minutes, he just gets two. That's uh, that's not how you want things headed towards being who your alpha dog ought to be. Am I wrong there? No, not at all. And, you know, I always like to look at teams, well, what they do when they come out of timeouts. And so that that's that to me, and I thought we struggled at times yesterday on possessions coming out of timeouts. To me, that's one of the things I always watch for because you know there was some kind of emphasis put in the huddle, some kind of play called. You hope there was some kind of play called during the timeout. And I always look at that one possession coming out of the timeout. And so, Charlie, you've let me get into the half-negative Bart. And, of course, as we talked about, we are in the Farm Bureau studios. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. Check them out at favorites.com. I talked to my Farm Bureau agent just the other day, uh, Michael Vick down in Philadelphia, Ben McDay's down there too. And you've got great Farm Bureau agents across the state of Mississippi. Talked to Henry Hamill, who's over all the sales of the state of Mississippi the other day. Old Hammer, our good friend. And, uh, man, just great customer service with the fine folks at Farm Bureau. And, Charlie, you know, we haven't had that uh, Tracks Plus deep dig that we've uh, t- typically had on our Fridays because football season's over. But you were going all these numbers. It kind of felt like a Tracks Plus deep dig. Tracks Plus, four locations, Hickory, Startwell, between Startwell and Columbus, then Summit, Mississippi, and Alexandria, Louisiana. And, uh, man, I-, I drove by the Tracks Plus store going to Columbus just the other day. And they got that big Barco mulcher out there. We got that Saney excavators and whatever you need, the dirt construction world or the forestry world. Go by and see our friends at Trax Plus. So, Charlie, yeah, that, that's the thing, man, is I, I kind of want to step away from basketball because I, I'll start being negative barred on you. Uh, but uh, Hey, I'll give you something positive. We haven't talked about this yet. This is big news. We're bearing the lead here. What's that? Well, we got a pick'em contest coming up. Well, yeah, we do. And so we're going to do a little pick'em contest, a bowl pick'em contest. Hey, we got to do this pretty quick, Charlie, because the first bowl game is what, Friday? Is uh, it the 17th? I think it's the first bowl game. And so how we want to do this? Do we want to pick, like, the winners? Do we want to pick against the spread? I mean, how do, how do we want to do this? I think you got to go against the spread. Winners is, winners is just too pedestrian. So I think what we do is this. We – we take picks, and it's all against the spread. And so if I were at home, I would have to explain what that meant. So, uh, Jennifer, if you're listening, what that means is, like Bart talked about earlier, Mississippi State's favored by 8.5. Then it means that you basically have to subtract 8.5 points from Mississippi State score, and then we decide who wins or loses. And so I think what we do is we go with the lines that are in place. We say, like, tomorrow? Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, let's go by the lines that are on December the 13th. And what we'll do is we'll have a pick'em contest. It won't cost anything to enter. And we'll get a bunch of prizes from our sponsors. We actually talked to some of our sponsors already. And uh, we're going to have some good prize packs. And so let's just, hey, 
good old-fashioned fun of having a bowl pick them. How many bowl games are there? What, 41, 42? And what if somebody ties? we got to figure out the ties. How do we do it? Like the total score of the national championship game? Because we're actually not picking the national championship game because it's it's not there yet. You know what I'm saying? It's not determined yet. So I guess we'll do the, the total score of the championship game. Is that a good way to do it? I think we have a multi-factor tiebreaker here, Bart. So the first thing you do is you pick who will be playing in the championship game. You get a point for each team you get right, and then the total points. Can we do like prices right? We can do the closest to the total score without going over. That'll win you a point too. One dollar. I bid one dollar, Bob. Oh me. So yeah, so we've got some pretty cool stuff. We've already talked to you talked about Strange Brew earlier. Our friend Shane over at Strange Brew. We know we've got a fifty dollar gift certificate coming from them. We know our friend Henry Cooper down at Country Pleasing is going to be uh, kicking in a prize pack. We'll get some sausage and some country pleasing swag. City of Starkville is going to send us some Mississippi College Town gear. So we got some we got some stuff coming together here. Yeah, maybe a Yeti cooler from uh, our good friends at Farm Bureau, and so. Anyway, we got to hey, we got to get with our good friends over at Bank First. See if they have some stuff. Hey, Bank First, better way to bank. They've got locations throughout Mississippi and Alabama. And uh, Moke Griffin and the Fine Gang over there. We got to talk to Moke. We got to get uh, got to get Moke involved in this in some way. But Bank First, we talk about the great customer service with all of our sponsors and Bank First is some of those guys as well. And so just great people at Bank First. All right, Bart. So, look, it's uh going to be a busy Kind of a couple of weeks coming up. We've got more basketball on tap. You and I think have a game maybe Tuesday. Women's basketball has three games next weekend. Where we go Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and that. We've got the Liberty Bowl coming up. We've got a game on the 30th. And all of a sudden, look, uh, SEC playing basketball is uh, getting pretty large in the windshield. It's getting right on top of us. So there isn't a lot of time to figure things out at this point. Now's the time to have them figured out. Season's not lost, season's not over, but it's time. It, it is time. Otherwise, we're going to be looking to get that NIT title that we uh, has eluded us, and that's not a title I care to go get. No, not at all. And, hey, you know what tomorrow is, right? Two months from tomorrow, two months from tomorrow on February the 13th, we can say it's game week. Baseball season right around the corner. Hey, I guess we can talk about the schedule the next time we get together, but it's it's hard to believe that two weeks from tomorrow will be the Sunday leading into the opening season, uh, opening weekend of college baseball. Long Beach State, going to open the season with Long Beach State, Friday, Saturday, Sunday at Duty Noble. Man, I can't wait for it. It's hard to believe it's two months away. One little bit of friendly advice, go ahead and buy tickets for March, was it, 8 and 9, down in Biloxi for the two games against Texas Tech. There's still some good seats, but look, they're they're affordable. But now is the time to go get them, because if you wait, you're going to be your seats are going to be not so great. So go ahead and uh, go visit the Shuckers website. You look at on Ticketmaster. Go ahead and get those tickets. Yeah, and that was a good time a couple of years ago when we went down there. Now, I hope we uh, I hope that didn't set a trend. I hope that was not bad luck, because the last time we went and played Texas Tech down in Biloxi, they shut down the season as soon as we won those two games. And so hopefully that won't happen this year. You remember you and I recorded an episode of this show from the press box there, and as we're doing the show, we're getting messages saying the NBA has just canceled their season. And that's when you and I just kind of looked at each other and said, man, this this thing's for real because 
leagues don't do that without knowing that something's about to turn bad. Now, hopefully, Bart, you haven't just jinxed us and uh, we can get back down there and pick up where we left. Boy, don't you just wonder, and we'll save this for baseball, I wonder where that team could have gone. You, you look at the team we just had and imagine adding a Westberg and a Foscue to it because that's, that's kind of what you're talking about, right? It, it would have been interesting to see where that team could have gone. Yeah, I know. Absolutely. Well, hey, enjoyed it as always. Thanks to our great sponsors. Of course, Farm Bureau. Go with the home team at Farm Bureau. Strange Brew Coffee is the best coffee you can possibly. StrangeBrewCoffeeHouse.com. Order those stocking stuffers right now. And, of course, our good friends at Bank First, Tracks Plus, and the Mississippi Beef Council. Beef, it's what's for dinner. Brought to you by the Mississippi Beef Farmers and their checkoff. For Charlie Winfield, I'm Bart Gregory. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us here on Sunday Coffee.